This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponco Chicken. Ponco Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponco is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponco if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese American Chicken Tender. Just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner, uh, Midtown Alliance best taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponco is great and Ponco is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponco Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out chasemonspodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello, and welcome to a Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Another first timer tonight on the podcast. MLB season. We're like a month away, give or take. Zach Reimer of Bleacher Report is here. Zach, good evening, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Chase. Thanks for having me on. I should have asked you how you pronounced your name before we started recording. Did I get it right? Did I nail it? Reimer, yeah. Okay, good. All right, mission accomplished. There we go. This is why you bet on yourself, folks, in uh, 2020. Bet on yourself. Um, There's a lot of MLB stuff going on right now. A lot of people are talking about the Astros and what's going on there and Jose Altuve um, getting thrown at a little bit. But guess what? We're not going to talk about that because it's not interesting anymore. None of that is interesting right now to me. What is interesting to me outside of Luis Severino's injury and what that means for the Yankees rotation, which I want to get into in a second. Um, my biggest thing to me right now that I am thinking about with this MLB season is that um, Madison Bumgarner used a fake name to compete in horse races. Um, what do you, what do you make of Madison Bumgarner's uh, alternate uh, career path? 
Uh, I actually feel the same way you do in that my response to that was, this is the story I didn't know I wanted, heck, needed yeah. to read, where it's just like, you know, you, you alluded to the Astros scandal and, uh, you know, covering that has been equal parts exhilarating and also depressing and overwhelming because it's just been this, this beast that has spiraled out of control. And now you get this story of, uh, you know, Madison Baumgartner, which is equal parts, you know, it's surprising to to find out that this professional uh, high profile pitcher, one of the most recognizable players in major league baseball has quietly been moonlighting as a, a rodeo guy, but it also makes sense given that this is Madison Baumgartner we're talking about. He just, he's a different, uh, he's a different guy, man. And he, he kind of does his own thing. And, um, I guess there's some reaction out there of like, Oh, has he been violating his major league contracts by doing this? Uh, is he in any risk of injury and you know, all the reaction that immediately rushes to turn this into a negative. But, um, reality is ultimately sounds like he's, participating in one of the more harmless events that they have in a rodeo sounds like he's doing it for the love of it and that it's really no harm, no foul as far as the Dimebacks are concerned. So it's just, it's this delightful, weird little story that uh, is perfectly timed. Is there like a Madison Bumgarner story that would actually surprise you like a headline because like he's entering that zone where, nothing surprised me about uh, Baumgartner and what he does in the offseason, right? No, I mean, I guess you could kind of make a case like he might be like baseball's answer to like Bill Murray, where he just pops up in random yeah. places and, you know, uh, that might be stretching it, but he's, he has the, one of those personalities where it's, uh, you know, on the on the diamond, he's done these incredible things, obviously. You know, go back to all the postseasons he was in, the 2014 World Series, where he has this kind of superhero persona kind of odd to him. And just, yeah, you know, and his alter ego is not some mild-mannered accountant, but it's like some Paul Bunyan, you know, uh, lookalike. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the legend of Madison Bumgarner is, you know, just as impressive as the reality of Madison Bumgarner. What do you do if you're Arizona when you find this out? What is your first thought and how do you react to what's going on here? Um, you know, I, I can only assume that there's this kind of flabbergasted mood that goes over with Mike Hayes and the general manager and the rest of the front office. Cause as I understand it, just reading what's been reported in the athletic that they didn't know about this, which I guess yeah. if you're Madison Baumgartner is the whole idea. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, they're obviously not going to go out and void his contract. You know, they want him to be the number one in their starting rotation. Um, but, you know, I can only speculate that there might be a conversation that takes place saying, um, hey, uh, maybe don't do that anymore, or can you at least wait five years until your contract is finished? Because we would ultimately feel safer now that it's no longer a secret. You know, it just it would make us feel better. But, um, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, he hasn't gotten hurt doing it so far. So that's some reassurance as well, as I, I propose. What can the MLB do? What do you think uh, Manfred, um, who's in a great spot right now, just with the way he's handled the Astros, like things are going really well for him. What can he do to um, uh, appease the Diamondbacks if they're a little frustrated with the news about Bumgarner? Well, I think if you're Manfred, you kind of leave this story alone more than anything because it's taken some heat off of himself after the way he kind of arguably bungled the entire Astros investigation and punishment. Um, 
But, you know, I, I, that's, that's honestly a good question. I don't know if there's much he can do at this point because, you know, the contract is signed. Um, and, you know, I don't know if Major League Baseball can ultimately overrule this or make some kind of ruling on it. It's just – it may be what it is at this point, and it may just be a situation where Baumgartner has to do the Diamondbacks a solid if they want him to stop. So uh, that's as best I can get into that. It's just weird. I mean, if you're Bob Gardner, I guess because of his tracker and the dirt bikes and everything else, but like, it just seems like this dude, I, I wonder how much we would care if it was on the surface. I'm sure this would be a big story if this was something that he was just like, Hey, I want to like when he was with the giants, he's like, he came to their organization. And he's like, Hey, I am interested in doing other stuff in the off season. Uh, this includes horse racing. How do you guys feel about this? And I'm sure the response from any MLB team would be like, uh, no, uh, hard pass there. Uh, so I get why he would have to use a fake name and do all of this stuff. But like, I do wonder because he didn't get hurt and because this did not turn into a catastrophe, like, does it matter? Does it set a precedent for other guys who want to do other things? Because like, it is something that's interesting in that, like athletes are not one dimensional where they have this singular interest where they're like, I want to play baseball for the next 15 years of my life. And then I'm going to get paid and I'm going to get that second contract. And hopefully I get to that third contract and then I'm done and I'm set for life. Guys don't think like that for the most part. And I wonder if bum Garner is just like one of those dudes. who's like, I have my day job, which is being a professional baseball pitcher, um, a weird day job, but I also have these other hobbies that I want to do, but I also know my teams and my league that I participate in are not going to be okay with my um other hobbies um it's not really like fishing or fly fishing this is more uh, a little more intense and this is something that uh, has other problems associated with it like me missing the full season because i fall weird or things like that i i wonder if nlb has to kind of step in here a little bit more because like you don't want to set the president where it's just like, oh, well, he used a fake name and got away with it and he's fine now. So whatever. It's just Madison Bumgarner being Madison Bumgarner. Or they need to be involved in this and like, hey, we understand that you have other outside interests and any players that have other outside interests, that's great. But like also when you're going through free agency, maybe you want to disclose what you're doing in your, your off time. I just, I think all this is fascinating and all the different layers that this um, could potentially uh, unravel is, is fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, okay. There's a lot to cover here. Um, I just, the general gist of what I think you're getting at is, uh, you know, where do you draw the lines, right. In terms of what these guys are, can and can't do off the field. Um, You know, I think the, all, you know, hypothetically, the ideal contract between a team and a player requires that the player obviously, you know, perform on the field, but also just for maximum security, the only things he can do off the field is train, eat and hydrate and sleep. Like, you know, that's that would basically be it in order to maximize the security for the investment that the team is making in him. You you know, you don't want to go there. You know, if, if you're Major League Baseball, if you're a team, if you're whatever – you want to let these guys be human beings up to a reasonable extent. And I would say, you know, and this is a case where what Baumgartner was doing was well within the reasonable extent. Um, and also, you know, I, I went and looked up at the athletic article again, and they actually do have a 
kind of sample portion of a, a generic player contract in there that does go over things that they're not so much permitted to do outside of their contract. Things like skiing, auto racing, motorcycle racing, skydiving, things where, you know, you could actually hypothetically suffer a serious injury and things like that. I think Bumgarner kind of strayed into the gray area. And I guess the other thing that also has to be mentioned, he, he ropes these cattle, I guess they are, or whatever they are with his right hand too. So he kind of, it's almost like he calculated the, the gray area that he was going into. Um, so, you know, once again, do I come respect I, this. Do we love this? <laughs> I do. You know, I, you know, I can understand why, you know, other people might not like it, but I'm sitting here going like, Oh, this is a lovely window into how professional athletes are not just gladiators who do one to have like one purpose in life. They're human beings with their own interests, their own hobbies, their own what have you. Let's not necessarily uh, be up in arms about that, you know, unless up until it, you know, it does become a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, and I wonder, like, I would love to get some true serum in Madison Bumgarner and be like, hey, uh, did you go through all the your contract and, like, talk with your agent about, like, hey, uh, just a heads up, if I want to do uh, horse racing for a little bit before I get that next contract, do I need to f- use a fake name? <laughs> how uh, how secretive do I need to be about my uh, off off-season choices and stuff like that? I, I would love to know what his thought process was there. I, I think what I would love is if, you know, I'm maybe I'm weird here, but what I would love is if this starts off like a game of one-offsmanship with other star mm. major leaguers where, you know, Madison Bumgarner does, he ropes uh, his steers. You know, I bet I could get into like spelunking. There's nothing in my contract that expressly prohibits spelunking. I could get into ultimate Frisbee. There's nothing in my contract that directly. Yeah. So as long as it's reasonably safe, then, you know, but this is just a tangent I'm going off on. I I think it would be funny. I am. I'm just here for all of this. This is (laughs) all just weird. And Bumgarner shout out to him for everything that's going on there. So we'll have to see what happens with him in Arizona. And also I love that he ended up choosing Arizona and this is a callback because of the horse farm, right? Like, wasn't that the biggest reason he chose Arizona anyway? was because of the horses and, like, the cattle and, like, the ranches and everything else that, like, this was close to where he wanted to be. I think that was the big thing, right? Am I misremembering that? Uh, I want to say I actually thought I read something that somebody else reported that that's actually where Bumgarner himself kind of confirmed that, yeah, I didn't move here for my horses or the landscape or anything like that. Um, I just, I'm just going to come, I'm just going to assume that, you know, the reason he signed a contract is the same reason that every other player ever signs a contract and that it was the best, either the best money or just the best opportunity. So I don't want to, you know, read into that too much. All right. Let's transition to Luis Severino. Um, the Yankees have already lost one starter this year. They signed Garrett Cole. Great stuff there. But, um, Luis Severino, he, I mean, Paxson's injury that like, this is all very interesting to me because the Yankees changed training staffs and then it's been kind of quiet for a little bit. And then Paxson gets re- like revealed that he's going to be out for a couple months. And then Luis Severino gets a second opinion. And now he's out for the full year with Tommy John. Um, 
What does Luis Severino's injury mean for the Yankees in 2020? I mean, yeah, you, you kind of hit on it. Just in the last couple of weeks, that rotation that they had, where it was going to be Gary Cole and Luis Severino, James Paxson, Masahiro Tanaka, and then Jay Happ, arguably the best one through five, at least in the American League, maybe in all of baseball. Uh, well, now Severino's out for the year. That's a potential you know, number one caliber starter that they're not going to have. James Paxton, who when he's really on, he pitches like a number one starter. He's going to be back earlier in the season, but given his injury track record, this is just another injury on top of a laundry list of injuries that he suffered throughout his career. You have to imagine the Yankees aren't banking on getting anything even close to 200 innings out of him. So you're kind of all of a sudden in a situation where it does feel like deja vu all over again compared to what they went through last year where not just Severino, but they had all sorts of other guys add up. And I think they had something like 700 more injured list days than the next closest team, which was just ridiculous. Um, And the threat here, I think that uh, was not so much there last year because they had injuries of their own, but the Tampa Bay Rays, I think, are a better team this year. Um, If the Yankees are in any way tripped up by the injuries they have, I think the Rays could actually, yeah, uh, supplant them as the at least – uh, champions this season, especially if they get full seasons out of Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now, which they did not last year. Um, but even with all this said, we do have to keep in mind that the Yankees got basically nothing out of Louis Severino last year. Paxton was hurt for a good chunk of the year. Judge was hurt for the good sh- good, good chunk of the year. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton played only, what, eight games all season. They still won 101 games, and they did it without Garrett Cole. So what their situation they're in is definitely not ideal. The threat of the injury bug, uh, you know, biting them over and over again, like it did last year is definitely there, but I wouldn't say it's panic time yet because they, this is no adversity that they haven't already faced and conquered. What does the rotation look like to you to start the season? What is their five man rotation? Uh, well, it's going to be, Cole up top, obviously. Then you got Tanaka in the number two spot. Then probably Jay Happ. And after that, you have to figure Jordan Montgomery is going to get the first shot of that number four spot. Missed last season with Tommy John surgery, but you know, wasn't long that wasn't that long ago when he was also a rising star in his own right. Pretty good left-handed pitcher. And the number five spot, uh, you know, maybe Jonathan Malaziga, David Garcia, the young prospect they have. Um, or it could be just a revolving door, and then on those, every fifth day, the bullpen will have to pick up a sizable uh, bit of slack. But we also have to give a shout-out there that that's a big reason they got through last year is because the bullpen was capable of doing so much. And it's basically the same group, same very, very talented group. So it uh, kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's not yet time to panic. I think Montgomery is like a shoe-in, and then you get interesting with the fifth spot i mean i love losiga um and what he could be but like cashman said uh to mlb.com this week about after the injury um he said you rely on your depth i wouldn't expect any domino effect or cause an effect in terms of us being able to go to the marketplace um the winter marketplace this time of year it doesn't exist so i i'm gonna go ahead and tell you that uh, I don't think Brian Cashman is the biggest Jason Vargas, Clay Buckholds, or Clayton Richard fan. That's what that tells me to me. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting here going like maybe Andrew Cashner, Colin McHugh. Uh, there are mm. some reasonably effective arms out there, but yeah, I 
Yeah, I think if you're talking about a number five... Go, do, would you like them more than Luis Sesa or something like that? Like, do you like him more Mike King? Like, there's just... It's interesting. Yeah, and I think uh, I'm kind of undercutting myself here, but I think when you're talking about a number five spot in your rotation, for most teams, that's a revolving door all season long, no matter what happens. So at least for, you know, you know, a situation with the Yankees, I guess you 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 kind of chalk it up like, okay, every fifth day we have to count on getting maybe, maybe four or five innings out of our number five starter. And then hopefully we got enough home runs and a good enough relief pitching on that day. They can afford to kind of look at it that way, whereas other teams certainly can't. Yeah, and I mean, this is the good thing about being the Yankees and also playing in the American League because like, ultimately all we're looking at is how they – match up with the ink uh with the Astros now. Do you do you still see it as a two team race in the AL? Is there anyone that's had like kind of an off season where you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe one of these two teams could beat the Yankees or the Astros in a seven game series. Or are you still looking at it as just like injuries aside, like this is still just the Yankees or the Astros deal. Well the AL, at least. Let's make sure we give the Minnesota twins their due credit. They won a hundred No, we don't we don't have to. <laughs> You know, they won 101 games last year. You know, they lost some pieces over sure. the offseason, but also you add Josh Donaldson to a, an offense that already hit 307 home runs last year, a new major league record, with Nelson Cruz only playing 120 games. They got half a season out of Byron Buxton on and on down the line. So it's at least as powerful of an offense as they had last year. Basically the same pitching staff coming back with Jose Barrios and Jake Odorizzi up top. Kenta Maeda, I think, is a very underrated pitcher. He's going to do fine. Homer Bailey's in there, eventually Rich Hill, Michael Pineda. It's a pretty good team. I think the only thing that kind of hangs, I think they're going to win the AL Central in a landslide. But um, the only thing that worries me is the same thing that's kind of worried me with the AL Central for a couple of years now is how much does dominating the AL Central throughout the regular season really mean when it comes to October? Uh, you know, last couple of seasons, we saw Cleveland Indians, 102 games one year, completely dominated division, got to the first round of the playoffs, Yankees beat them. Uh, 2018, Indians not as good, but still, same thing, won the AL Central handily, got to the first round of the playoffs, they're out. Twins last year, 101 wins, coming against the Yankees, get swept, and it wasn't even really close. So how much of a proving ground is that AL Central? That's going to be the big thing with the Twins. Other than that, I don't completely discount the Rays, and I think the Oakland A's could be a major, major sleeper uh, for a 101 season this year. The A's? Yeah. I mean, mm. why not, right? I mean, the 97 wins back to back I mean, the AL West is a dumpster fire right now. It, it's going to be tough. The AL West is going to be extremely tough this year. Yes. Uh, that Winter games of anybody in the AL West is going to be very, very difficult, yes. I would say. Uh, yeah, I... I Kind of threw that out, out there offhandedly. I'll, I'll clarify. 100 wins is certainly the best. I like the A's. I, I like the A's. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, anyone in that division winning 100 games seems wild to me because that division is just, I think it's it it's going to be a bloodbath. A lot of good teams in that division. Uh, yeah, on the AOS, I think the Los Angeles Angels and Texas Rangers, I think everybody can agree that they're better this year than they were last year, but they're yeah. kind of the inverse of each other where it's like the Angels have this potentially amazing offense but no pitching and the Rangers has a, this potentially amazing starting rotation, but maybe not the best offense. So they're, 
I think the upside is there for both of those teams, but the downside is also very, very real where they could sink like, like stones to the 500 mark or even below that. So, um, and the A's, I just, I think the A's are kind of that classic high floor and also high ceiling club. I like them a lot. Well, this brings us back to the Yankees temporarily because, um, this is from Emily BetrayRumors.com. Uh, though now the Yankees will be monitoring just when, if a Johnny Cueto, Matt Boyd, or Mike Miner becomes available, the Yankees need the Miguel Anduars and Clint Frazier's, among others, to play well in the majors and or AAA because even after guaranteeing the largest pitching contract ever in Cole, the Yankees just might need to add more starting pitching. Are you going to be monitoring that this year where you're like, oh, let's see what Anduar is doing. Let's see what Clint Frazier is doing. Because Clint Frazier is just like the trade piece that we've all been looking at for like the last like three years in New York. Does he swing anything for the Yankees? Does he swing? Do you think he is still a prospect worth uh, you're like, oh, maybe this dude could bring in a significant starting pitcher who's ready to help the Yankees in 2020. You know, I think Clint Frazier is the difficult one there because um, it seems like every time they've had a chance to showcase him in the majors, they've been reluctant to do so either because they have, you know, other guys that they need to get in the lineup or they're just afraid of his defense. So, uh, you know, on balance, he's actually been an average, slightly above average hitter in the majors, but, you know, not to an extent where it's just like it screams offensive upside and the defensive issues are very clearly there. At this point, he still has club control, but it's only uh, you know through 2024. That's, that's actually not that bad kind of thing of it. But it's it's this question where he's, he's no longer a hyped prospect, and he's not really this guy who has teased that he's this amazing amazing major leaguer. So I don't know if he's a centerpiece that gets you a star. I think that's probably more likely to be Andujar. But now there's there is this question of how can they showcase him because they've got Gio or show at third plate, third base right. coming off a very, very good breakout season. Um, you know, you can maybe play him over at first base, but you got Luke Voigt there. Who's a pretty good hitter in his own right. Designated hitter is going to be uh, kind of swap back and forth between uh, Aaron judge and John Carlos Stanton for the most part. So how do you get Andrew Har at bats, even though you're going to have an extra roster spot this year? So, I, it's going to be a tightrope. I mean, it's almost as if the best case scenario here is that Gio Urshela kind of flames out, which he kind of did towards the end of last season. And any hard takes up third base again. But at that point, you know, you got a starting third base and why do you trade him? So it's a difficult spot. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think the Yankees right now, you have to hope that, okay, we can stabilize the front four spots in a rotation. We make do with that number five spot. We don't have to give anything up in the, at the trade deadline. I would guess that they would want to move one of them or they're just like, you know what? We, we hope we can showcase one of these guys and like that can turn one of these guys into Mike minor because Mike minor that's the, Yankees don't develop pitching. That's not their bread and butter. Like what their, their deal is, is trading for guys like that. They want to trade for their J apps. They want to trade for people like that. And I think Mike minor actually makes a lot of sense. And the Rangers have, if you've read any of the pieces on the Rangers and, Looking at what they've done with Jay Happ, I mean not, not Jay Happ, uh, Mike Miner and um, and company. And if you look at the rotation this year, it's just like a bunch of guys that they brought into their system that uh, John Daniels was like, "No, we can fix this." Lance Lynn got it. Mike Miner 
got it. Like they just, they know they love bringing these reclamation projects uh, into Dallas and uh, make the most of it. So shout out to them for being able to do that. I also just wonder what uh, the Yankees trade value for their top young guys is going to look like, because I think they're going to eventually have to make some sort of move because I don't think they're going to, they're going to bet on their in-house options. I think Cashman is like, we'll see. We'll be fine. Our offense is still going to rake and we're going to win a lot of games, but does it beat the Astros? Is it enough to win the pennant? We'll see. Um, last thing I want to ask you about the nationals. They lost Rendon, went to the angels, but outside of that, should we expect the Washington nationals to win the NL and maybe even the world series again in 2020? Uh, I think much more so than the American league. We've covered this pretty easily. Others yeah, definitely two favorites in the American league. You count the twins and then you count maybe the Asian race. You have five teams. That are I'm not counting the twins. It's not happening. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. Uh, one of us is counting the twins. Let me amend that. Um, yes. With the national league, it's so much more difficult to kind of, you know, power rank the contenders. Cause I don't think there's any question that the Los Angeles Dodgers are on top. And to me, it's by a significant degree. I don't think there's another team in the national league that has, just their all-around firepower on both sides of the ball. Um, and I don't even take it for granted that the Nationals are the best team in the National League East. Um, and the Rendon, uh, missing out on Rendon is only part of that. You know, I do think they're going to miss him in the middle of their lineup. It's hard to replace, you know, 1,000 OPS and 35 home runs that he hit last year, not to mention all the contact that he made, too. So, that's a big loss, and I'm not taking it for granted at all that Carter Keboom or Starlin Castro, Eric Thames, you know, the new guys that are in the mix this year are going to make up for that. I'm also not going to take it for granted. You know, I'm not chalking it up uh, as a doomed scenario, but Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, and Steven Strasburg pitched a lot of innings last year. I would be very, very worried if, they can, if they're going to make it through the season unscathed because of that. And if they don't, the Nationals are in trouble because it was basically those three who carried their pitching staff last year. So I I like the Nationals. I can see how they could win the NLEs, but there's a lot that could go wrong there too. Yeah, I wonder too. Um, the NLEs is going to be different. I think the Mets are going to be better than what happened last year. Obviously, the Beltran stuff is weird, but they didn't – trade Syndergaard they still have this ridiculous rotation they still have an offense that like if healthy and the young guys click they're gonna be really good um the race should be fine um the Phillies I think are gonna be better in 2020 like the NL is just there are so many good teams the AL is very different where it's just so top heavy the NL is just very different and the Nationals are I think going to be really solid again um if you had to pinpoint what their biggest question mark heading into 2020 is what would it be? We're still in the nationals, right? Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I still think it goes back to that middle of the lineup question mark. Uh, you know, no disrespect to Juan Soto. He's an amazing hitter. He's probably going to get even better this year, but like I said, uh, Anthony Rendon had 1010 OPS last year, 34 home runs, bunch of other extra base hits. That's a lot to lose without really replacing it with a similarly talented hitter. So I wonder about that. Yeah, but I mean, their pipeline looks solid. Um, they went after, they, they kicked the tires, I should say, on uh, Josh Donaldson, and we'll have to figure out what happened there. But um, 
I do wonder if they're just betting on and their in-house options at third, right? Like, is that a possibility where they're just like, you know what, uh, our guy who's who's trending up, he'll be ready. Do you think that the Nationals are just okay with what their options are uh, in-house at their base? Because it's Carter Kierboom, we should say. First round pick. Yeah. Carter Kierboom, late first rounder. Like, that's, I. it seems like that is their, what they're planning for. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, certainly the situation they're in now, uh, where you've already lost Rendon and it's either, you're either going to pay like an arm and a leg for Nolan Arenado or Chris Bryant, which, you know, wouldn't necessarily be the worst idea, but why not give the kid a shot, at least for a month or two, right? Maybe he's got something. And, you know, to give him his proper credit, he is the number 21 prospect in baseball. That's ranked by MLB.com. Uh, Generally well thought of because of his bat. So, yeah, you know, I don't think he's going to be Anthony Rendon. I think that's an unfair expectation to put on him. But um, now is as good a time as ever to give him his shot. I'm about it. And I think the it makes the Nationals more interesting because, like, oh, could they do it again? Can they go from Rendon to Kibum and just be totally fine? Um, what are your other biggest off-season storylines that you're watching right now with MLB going into spring training and really just going into the new season in a couple weeks? Um, I'm kind of curious about how the new roster rules are going to affect things. Um, you know, big ones being, you know, not just expansion to 26 men from 25. That means that there's 30 guys out there that could potentially get jobs that this year that would not have been able to get last year. But also the three batter minimum for relief pitchers. I wonder if that's making a lot of left-handed specialists out there sweat a little bit. That goes into effect March 12th, I think. So starting then, you got a bunch of lefties who are going to need to prove they get, they can get righties out. Otherwise, things could get kind of uh, you know iffy for them. Um, other than that, just kind of watching guys coming back from injuries this year. You want to Cespedes, uh, Lance McCullers Jr., Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, Corey Kluber to a certain extent. So guys who were just not on the radar last year that could potentially be big difference makers this year. And um, uh, my improvisational skills have run out at this point. So that's all I got for you. There you go. Well, this is this has been great. I appreciate the time, sir. Um, is there anything we should check out from you from Bleacher Report this week? Uh, you know what, actually, since we started off talking about how we didn't want to talk about the Astros anymore, I have a piece going live tomorrow <laughs> that focuses on non-Astro storylines to keep track of during spring. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm tired of it. I don't care. None of it's interesting. We can move on. It's like, they're all bad. The Astro yeah. stuff is bad. Them talking is bad. Rob Manfred's talking is bad. Like everything about it. N- nothing is good. I'm, yeah. I'm bored of it. It's just all bad. Yeah, it's been like uh, I think at this point we're just six weeks since the since the uh, suspensions and uh, penalties came out, and it's just been six weeks of fire and brimstone and gnashing of teeth, man. It's just been no fun at all. It's it's not fun, and I just don't think it's ending anytime soon, Zach. I just nothing about any of this tells me like, oh, this will be done by the season. Yeah, this is just going to keep going, and we're going to see on Sports Center in May that Altuve got hit really hard by somebody. Like, I just, I don't, I don't think this is going anywhere. Yeah, it it kind of felt like it was dying down for a brief second there, but then there was the story about the Astros literally stealing the signs from fans at the ballpark, and then Jose Altuve gets booed and plunked. It's just like, okay, well, we're not out of this just yet. So here we are.
And then we got the Red Sox coming into play, right? Eventually. That's the other thing. Waiting for that shoe to drop. It's kind of like it keeps getting pushed off and pushed off. And it's just like, you know, just a brief tangent. It's interesting how that's going to pan out because the guys they could have potentially punished for all that, the Dave Dombrowski's, the Alex Cora's, they're already gone. So it's like, who's actually, whose head is going to roll here? That's a good question. Well, Alex Cora, I talked to Jared Carabas about this a couple weeks ago, and he still believes that they took away Cora temporarily in Boston, but he's like, once this dies down, that like the plan is for him to come back, like Cora to get the manager job back. Oh, that'll be fun. It's like, oh, by the way, while you were gone, we got rid of Mookie Betts and David Price. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you know, it's it's plausible, but just, uh, and I, I do think that's an, that's an interesting idea, but imagine coming back and like, hey, what happened to my best player? What did you guys do with him? Oh, we couldn't afford him. Wink. <laughs> yeah. That's another depressing story, but yeah. yeah. Things are great in baseball. Love to start off the season just talking only openly and happily and everything's great. Well, let's not. Yeah. It's great in baseball. Let's not forget to wish all fans in Canada have fun watching the Blue Jays and MLB.tv this year. Oh, wait, no. They're all blacked out. Sorry. Everything's fine. Yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, I mean, who wants to watch Bo Bouchette and uh, Guerrero Jr. and everybody else? Who cares? Yeah, it's not like Toronto is in Canada. (laughs) Baseball is burning. Baseball is burning. Uh, Shout out to Jeff Passon of ESPN.com. Zach, this has been great. I appreciate the time. We will have to check back in as the season keeps going because this has been great. Yeah, it's always good to talk baseball. And uh, this was a fun yet somehow oddly depressing half hour or whatever it's been. (laughs) So, yeah. That is going to be like my new, uh, my new uh, synopsis of my podcast is that line from you. So yeah. There we go. Got a new one. You're welcome. Somehow this has been a depressing 30 minutes of my life. Why did I come on Chase's podcast? Yeah. Well, you know, I'll take my royalties uh, as they come. <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Take care. All right, that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, It helps the show continue to grow, and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, You can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. for as little as five dollars a month, it helps the show keep the lights on. So that would be a great help to me as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. You could go to ChaseThomasPodcast.com, which has all of my stuff, all my episodes ever, um, links to everything that you need, um, and all of my writing that uh, I'm doing fairly often these days um, on the NFL, on NBA, on college football, on pro wrestling. I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front so if you're not tired of listening to me you can also read me um so that's awesome but uh i think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode Uh, i hope you continue listening that would be great and uh i will talk to you all again very soon thanks guys nice
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.